Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. For the first time in 2024, it's the house of the checkered shirts. Hello, once again, I am Tempest, your host of the SmackDown Review podcast here on the Wrestle Talk podcast channel. And I am joined, as always, by the lovely and wonderful Sat E. Niangi. It's Saty Day. It's Saty Time. Sat, what's cause and all this? Before we begin, let's. <laughs> it's the first one of 2024. And it was good. Tempest. Sat. The question is, on yesterday's SmackDown, what's causing all this? <laughs> I was going to say that. He's ahead of me. He's on it today, folks. Yes. Yes. Of course, it was Nick Aldis that got things rolling on this here episode of SmackDown, which we are going to get into because the bloodline was none too pleased about what happened on last week's show. I missed you too. Aw. Never leave me. Unless you're taking me with you and my brood hey, and my family. Yeah, you'd enjoy Canada in the winter, you think? Eh, maybe not, but I'll, 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 I will not express my displeasure openly. I'll take it. Yes. <laughs> I think if you had any displeasure about SmackDown, you should express it openly. In the comments down below, perhaps. Not about this podcast, only positive things. That's the compliment section down there. Make sure that you let us know how fantastic this podcast is in the comments down below. And make sure, yeah, I got a Swerve shirt now. <laughs> Thank you to the wonderful Holly Musgrave for the very lovely Christmas gift. Thank you, Holly. Uh, yes, we're going to talk about this here, SmackDown. So make sure you like this video, give it a subscribe, all that kind of stuff. It's a SmackDown podcast. We got to get into it. He's back, guys. Yeah, buddy. Oh, I'm going to squeeze him. Gosh, I've missed him. Like everyone else I've covered has been great. But like, listen, man, when, when the guy is back, the guy is back. Look at this beautiful masked man. He's back. And he's going to tell you what happened to SmackDown. Sound of a bloodline hijacking the show. Yes. So we opened SmackDown with what we thought was going to be a match. We were told that Grayson Waller was coming out to mm -hmm. have a match with Cameron Grimes. Now, that does not immediately seem like the most exciting opening match that you could potentially have on SmackDown. But sure, opening match with two young guys, I'll, I'll go with it. But no, 
It was not to be, as the bloodline comes down and attacks Cameron Grimes mid-entrance, like a geek. Ugh. And they go in the ring, and Grayson Waller and Austin Theory are like, nah, man, we're good, we're good, we don't need this fight, and they leave. They're happy to take the no contest or non-match or whatever it is. And Paul Heyman gets on the mic, and he says that the bloodline are not the bad guys here. The bad guy is that James Bond wannabe Nick Aldis. That's a compliment. Yeah, I mean, oh, sure. Yeah, all right. Okay. Suave. Yeah, sophisticated, martini shaken, not stern. I got a baddie at home who's now the new creative director and something else for OVW. Yeah, sure, why not? Yeah. yeah. Also, here's a fun fact. I used to date somebody whose grandfather was named James Bond. Yo, that's dope. Not named after the book or anything. No, Just no. happened to be named James Bond, and then James Bond became, like, the coolest character of all time. So James Bond. Anywho. Bond. Yes. <laughs> we then continue, because I really liked Nick Aldis in this segment. Nick Aldis comes out. He was interacting with Cameron Grimes in the entranceway, so he was within earshot. But he comes down to the ring, and he gets on the apron. And... Paul Heyman's not happy about a fatal four-way match. He's not happy about L.A. Knight, yeah. He's yeah. not happy about A.J. Styles. He's not happy about Randy Orton. All getting a shot at Roman Reigns, which he said was practically guaranteed to result in a new undisputed Universal World Champion. So, while I do not think that is the case, that is what they're pitching to us. They're really trying to get across that these stakes are high. And... Nick Aldis then steps steps on the apron, and he takes Paul Heyman's mic, and Solisico is about to do something about it. Paul Heyman's like, no, 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 no. Calm down. It's okay. And Nick Aldis says, the bloodline ruining SmackDown and ruining matches on SmackDown is not going to be a trend because they've done it twice in the last two weeks, and they are not going to do it again. The Fatal 4-Way match is a done deal. It's not changing. And in the main event of this show here tonight, you are going to get Randy Orton, AJ Styles, and LA Knight teaming together against the bloodline of Jimmy Uso, Solo Sokoa, and Roman Reigns. This gets a big response because Roman Reigns doesn't work SmackDown. No. Certainly didn't work SmackDown in Lincoln, Nebraska. Lol. I don't do no jobs in Battle Creek, Michigan, brother. I only go to the big cities like Detroit. Anyway, Roman Reigns is, in fact, not there, which what? Paul Heyman lets Nick Aldis know. And in the middle here is mm. a really great little character moment because my favorite part of this whole interaction that they had yeah. was just Nick Aldis not stepping down, not backing down from this blight on his authority. Insubordination. This insubordination. He says that that's what's going to happen. And Paul Heyman tries to take the microphone back from him. And Nick Aldis does not relinquish the microphone. And Paul Heyman's screaming off my, give me the microphone. And he won't do it. Great little touch. Really good little character bit. And so Paul Heyman then is forced to walk up to the mic, which Nick Aldis is still holding, and saying that Roman Reigns isn't there and that Nick Aldis will then have to, like, not do that. And Nick Aldis tells him, no, you're either going to find another partner or it's going to be a handicap match. Easy peasy. That's the opening segment. 
And then, of course, later we got the main event, which we will get to in, a, in just a little bit. But I really, really liked Nick Aldis in this segment. Everything else I thought was like fairly by the books. Of course. You yeah. know, this was like a fine promo. We're still a few weeks out from the Royal Rumble. Mm -hmm. There wasn't a whole lot to this. It was just, we're upset. And then they got booked in a tag match against the pay-per-view challengers in the main event. That That's pretty standard wrestling stuff. But the real positives I was able to pull out of this was Nick Aldis. And I don't know if it's just because I have been forced to sit through authority figures in WWE for I don't even know how long that long. I have I have not found one that I have enjoyed. Jack Tunney is his favorite because he's Canadian. Lol. Stop it. <laughs> but Nick Aldis is actually, to me, like the best authority figure WWE has had in like a long time. Since McFoley's commissioner? Because you have to think about it. Like, he, Mick Foley rarely had moments you're like, oh, he, he wasn't good as a 40 figure. Do you know what I mean? He stood up for himself in the attitude era when you in needed the someone. Yes. Yeah, that's what I meant. Not, yeah. All, no, all, no, all, not the, the all the 2016 run. All, no, no. all the sequels never lived up to you. You know, yeah. you 2001 and, you know, the 2004 briefly. It was because remember, Austin was gone again. Foley took over the Bishop feud. And, you know, exactly. He's yeah. come back many times. Doesn't hasn't really worked out. Doesn't work as well. Yeah. But, Outside of, like, my other favorites would probably have had to Jeff have been, Tony. like, shut up! <laughs> it's like William Regal in NXT. Yeah. If you're counting NXT, obviously. But Regal, and even still, Regal on Raw was good yes. stuff. Um, but beyond that, like, Teddy Long on SmackDown was always, like, respectable. Paul yeah. Heyman on SmackDown was good fun. But we're still talking about the 2000s here. Mm -hmm. And through the 2010s. Angle, 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 did you enjoy Angle and Raw? Or was this the he, he was kind of, he was fine until he was like put on probation or whatever it was, you know? What about his 04 Smackdown run with Luther Reigns wheeling him around? I try and block out a lot of like various times of 04 from my memory. Hide and rack is the main reason why, guys. Yeah. <laughs> but WWE's authority figures have very, very rarely been allowed to stand up to wrestlers if the wrestlers are heels. Mm. Because, well, you can't make them look small. You can't make them look diminutive. You can't do that. But it has resulted in the authority figures just being bumbling fools for years and years and years and years. Mm -hmm. And of course, the other option there has been you either then get a heel announce or a heel authority figure Who's just going to ruin the show mm -hmm. every week for like a decade? Yep. And that was kind of where we were stuck between. And now we found just this guy who's come in and he's like confident in himself. And he's not going to be like, oh, Roman Reigns is going to be upset. Oh, God. And it's very refreshing. I think, you know, you know okay. But there's a main reason why. If you stripped off, if you stripped off his, of his suit, his shirt and tie. He's a jack man. So mm -hmm. it'll be a role that he can't convincingly, he probably can play a weasel. But I feel like the reason why you are having such a great time enjoying this, I'm enjoying it too, is because it's not the monotonous bloodline stuff we got from last year. Because one of the issues we've been having with the bloodline storyline is that it, it jumped the shark a long time ago. It's retreating old storyline beats that we already uh, passed by, already resolved. 
And if we still had Adam Pearce, we, it would have been annoying because it would have been Adam Pearce cowering down to Paul Heyman and the bloodline. But you have someone that's standing up to them. And what I like about this attack that happened in the first match, kind of like a TV show, that attack on Cameron Grimes had consequences to the main event if people are not thinking about it. If the bloodline weren't such bullies... Who knows who could have stepped up to team up with him later? I like the fact that it had consequences. Attacking Cameron Grimes had indirect consequences to what happened later. And Nick Aldis even said it. He said a great line to Paul Heyman, you mistaken and you think we're equals. Mm -hmm. He said that to him and he proceeded to show him by not giving back the microphone because that is relinquishing power. That's like almost like a metaphorical thing. It's like this microphone with this power in the hands of Paul Heyman. And there's also power in the hands of an authority figure like Nick Aldis, who's very understated. We yet to hear what entrance music he has. <laughs> My guy just appears out of nowhere. I've never seen him come out from the Titan Tron stage to the ring. He just halfway is already there. Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Even when the attack happened, I didn't see him come out. You could have come from the side or from the crowd. He just appears out of nowhere. And he's very, very, is a refined, refined gentleman. And I also, he's almost like the complete opposite of the way Paul Heyman is. Paul Heyman is very boyish and he's very in your face. And he's the kind of guy, he's very calculated and can be cold. And still my favorite line when he said to Roman, he goes, I'm management. I don't have feelings. And you're seeing it. It's kind of like, you can see that this guy is stone cold, like on, in his job role. And I'm enjoying it too, because it's good to see someone good at their job. It's good to know that we might not even see Vince McMahon come out and browbeat him because that's, that's what tends to happen. You get general managers good at their job, wherever it is, and you get Stephen McMahon or wherever, just browbeating or even Triple H. But I'm, I'm not worried that there's going to be a monkey paw of someone later on, you know, usurping the authority. So at the moment, I'm enjoying what we're seeing with Nicodis. Yeah. I think ultimately, because I'm, I'm sure someone could interpret some of the things that we are saying as like, well, do you want... Do you want the 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 wrestlers to you know be be made to look foolish or or not? Because no, it to me is more important that the people on your show look competent. Mm. It wasn't that necessarily everyone involved was you know belittling the wrestlers or or belittling the authority figures or whichever version. It's just that the people in authority always seemed totally incompetent. Mm -hmm. Why is Sonya Deville burying Naomi six months in a row? We never found out. Why is Stephanie McMahon happy to have John Cena miss WrestleMania 30, like she said in that promo? That doesn't make any sense. You shouldn't want that. You should want all your stars on your big show, idiot. Whereas now, finally, it feels like we have an authority figure that just knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't need to be loud or flashy or make big moves or anything like that. I just need to feel like when the authority figure walks on the scene, someone's got a handle on the situation a little bit. Like Jack Tunney. Like Jack Tunney. <laughs> you know what? Yeah, I make jokes about Jack Tunney. He, he, he did make... He didn't make questionable decisions in 1992, but we'll talk about that some other time. Yep. Maybe on Patreon one day. Have me <laughs> on. And I talk a lot about Jack Tunney because he was my WWF president growing up uh, as a child. So my mom even talks about it like he was the actual president. That's how much kayfabe was running rampant back in the days. Thank you. 
Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Quality sleep is essential for boosting energy, recovery, and well-being. So, take your sleep to the next level with Sleep Number. With a Sleep Number smart bed, you can individualize your comfort level and enjoy a better sleep night after night. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now the Queen Sleep Number C4 smart bed is only $1,599, a saving of $300, only for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. Moving along swiftly, what do we have next? Well, moving along swiftly, because this was, of course, the thread that tied the rest of the show together. It was the Bloodline looking for a potential third member for this main event match. And I'll let you know right now, they never found one. There were loads and loads of these little segments throughout the show. And they were accompanied by a lot of backstage segments on this show. So I think we're just going to go through this show in real time, because right. that was the hijacking of it. And I think it just makes sense to go through this show chronologically. And we don't usually get to do that, so why not? New Year, new Tempest format. Yeah, chronological order. So, the Bloodline are then immediately shown backstage after a commercial, and Jimmy's freaking out over not having a partner, and Heyman said that he's going to go handle it. He's going to go get somebody to, to join the Bloodline. He has all these connections, and he walks off, and Jimmy's like, Solo, ain't you worried? And Solo's like, I'm never worried. He's like, okay, that's, that's cool, but Jimmy's still freaking out. We then actually got our first match. First match of the show is Umberto, Umberto Carrillo and Angel Garza going against Joaquin Wilde and Cruz del Toro. So there were a number of points that I had about this match in particular mm-hmm. because I thought a lot of the action in the match was quite good. Doesn't surprise me. They work in exciting style. There were also some like really creative little spots. Like when Angel Garza, all he had to do to cut off Cruz del Toro's shine was to just open the ropes a little bit as he hit them, causing him to fall to the outside, break up his momentum, and allow the heels to get the heat. I liked that sort of stuff very, very much. I thought it was good wrestling. Problem is, I didn't think this Nebraska crowd cared about a lot on this show. They were fairly quiet for the most part, and this was not one of the things that they cared about. And I don't want to particularly blame them for this match in particular. Other matches on the show... 
we we might we might disagree. But this one, WWE just has not done enough with Cruz del Toro and Walking Wild to make them credible to make people believe in them. And it's just too difficult to go out on national TV in front of a large audience as a babyface that no one believes in. Also, I'm gonna ask a question. Anyone from Nebraska? Do you guys even see Lucha Libre? If not, I understand why you feel the way you do. But Lucha Libre is sick. Lucha Libre is great. Uh, to go off what you're saying, uh, yeah, Cruz del Toro, Joaquin Wild, two talented individuals who have not been given a thing called character development. Mm -hmm. Who are these guys? Or even wins. Wins, yeah, nothing. Like, before I can even care about them as people, like, are they, do I think they're going to win the match? No. <laughs> no. They're here to eat pins. And because, no offense, at the moment, uh, the wrestlers with the most potential are indeed the two uh, Humberto Gazas. Because I did that to Pete last week. Do you know what Angel Gaza and Humberto Carrillo's real names are? Yeah. You do, right? Mm -hmm. They're both called Humberto Gaza. Two cousins called Humberto. Guys, go look it up on Wikipedia or Google. They both have the same real first uh, paternal last names because in the in the Latin culture, they both have maternal and paternal surnames. But their paternal surnames is the same, and the first name is the same. They're both named Humberto Gaza. Sorry, I have to hijack this part, but I'll never get over two cousins named the same after their granddaddy. I never, I'll never go over that. It is kind of wild. It's like they, it's like Hector Garza or something got like split into two people. Oh yeah, you know. Yes, like the original. No, Umberto Garza got split into two people, and each of them got to keep half of the name. Yes, you yes. Know? There was a science experiment at the WWE Performance Center. I like to hear what they call each other. Yeah, hum. Barto, at the minute split the name in the middle. But yes, I'm happy that the former Los Lafaros is back on SmackDown. When they went to NXT, I was kind of disappointed because I felt it was a step backwards. I would see uh, if if a wrestler goes back to NXT, time's ticking. Because I'm always a, I'm a time guy, I talk to about people's ages. Uh, they have so much potential, especially Angel Garza. When he burst into the scene, he had main event potential. Mm -hmm. Even when Andrade was coming back, was in a group with him, it was obvious that Angel for me had the bigger upside because he was more fluent on the microphone than Andrade was at the time. Andrade's come a long way, but the guy's got natural charisma. Humberto Carrillo's finding himself as a heel, you know, that dimpled face with some facial hair. You've got a, you know, a heel that you want to punch in the face. They could potentially be tag team champions. I just hope we, we have character development. And didn't, they're not just, you know, number two and number three behind, you know, Santos Escobar, who is incredible in the microphone, great at emoting. I recently listened to an episode he did with uh, Wrestling with Freddie, Freddie Prince Jr.'s podcast. And he talked about how he went to LA to hone up on his acting skills, which mm. helped him with his promos so he goes to show you that this is a guy that's passionate about this dedicated yeah, it was dedicated mm -hmm. and i could tell even when we watch nxt when he had that feud uh going on with the with, with the mafia family with with <laughs> tony d'angelo he, he's the way he emotes it, it feels real it doesn't feel like the hokey wrestling script hey say this santos got a high you know you know he's turning 40 this year but this guy's got so much potential he can overcome their age limit and you know become a big star but i hope uh, Joaquin Wilde, who went viral for that jump he did on the on the middle rope. All the I way thought they the were wrestling. gonna do it again here somehow. <sighs> I don't know how you would have done that. No, but... you you could have done it. It's a tag team match. You, yeah, you could have done it. It's just that it's a shame that that hasn't really propelled him yeah. past a certain point. But I really do hope uh, that this feud uh, 
take it next gear. Rey Mysterio is potentially coming back at a rumble as one of the surprises. Uh, we've yet to see Carlito versus Santos have a one-on-one match. And now we know that uh, the new group has a new, a new name. They're known as Legado World Order. Which is that's pretty cool. That's what everyone wanted. Yeah. It's kind of like... Snazzy, snazzy name. It's kind of like people wanting, you know, street business. But they're not going to get that, allegedly. <laughs> but that's a whole different, you know... Yeah, we'll get to that. Yeah. Because the finish of this match as well was Carlito's music hits and Santos stands up and he's like, ah, all right, now here we go. And then he gets attacked from behind by Carlito. Carlito kind of runs him around ringside. They brawl into the crowd and they disappear. And this distracts Angel Garza, but not enough to cost him the match. He rolls up one of the others and then holds on to the rope to get the pin he beats the other two sorry joaquin sorry cruz del toro you're not getting your win here it's fine i had if i had to book this show and Mm. i was told book this match yeah i would have the lotharios win but i think it's more just emblematic of how we got here it didn't. It didn't lead to many people caring, but a fine little match. Do you want oh, a fifty-fifty booking amongst the tag team? No, no, not these two. I wouldn't do fifty-fifty booking between them. I do at this point. It dilutes the. Yeah, the, I, the I just think it look. It makes the Lotharios look worse. I just would have spent the last year having up. Yeah, having Walking yeah. Wild and Cruz del Toro beating like anyone. So basically, beating them means something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So. After that first match, we had Carmelo Hayes backstage. My boy, Melo. First time I've seen him on SmackDown. I'm so happy to be back. And he was talking about his run in the U.S. title tournament. He's saying blue looks good on him and everything. And then he starts to say he wants to get into the Royal Rumble. He kind of says like Royal, and he gets cut off by Grayson Waller and Austin Theory, who barge into the room and are like, oh, Nicole, what kind of shit you running around here? What's going on? I'll take a win by forfeit. Ha 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 ha. They're being their cocky douchebag heels. And Carmelo Hayes is still sat there. Nick Aldis says, I'm conducting business. What do you want? And Carmelo gets up and they start beefing. And all of a sudden... Austin Theory versus Carmelo Hayes is set for later in the show. It was going to be Grayson Waller, but he's like, nah, I already wrestled. He didn't, though. But Austin Theory's good enough, so he'll wrestle later in the show. We'll get to it. But before before you go into the next part, this is related to what you just said. You just reminded me of something we didn't see tonight on SmackDown. Mm. So last week's SmackDown, Ashanti Diodonis went into Nick Otis's office, and he said to him how he's, he wants an opportunity on SmackDown. And... Nick Aldis kind of gave like a pumped up rah rah speech, was like, you know, I I know you got what it takes, sort of thing, and let's let see what we can do. No follow up. That could have been a great opportunity to have Ashanti do something as well. Like you just, it just reminded me like nothing happened, and mm-hmm. I hope we do. If not, I'll be the only one that remembers this. Yeah, it's gonna be a recurring thing. <laughs> no Ashanti this week. Like you 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 know, especially a wrestler you never see on the yeah. show. You can't like all of a sudden reintroduce him and then. Next week, this ain't like the unholy alliance chicks that you know mm-hmm. <laughs> did a vignette and disappeared for a bit. But yeah, Shanti Diodonis is missing, guys. So I send that APB. Yeah, we'll put his face on a milk carton or and, something. And Fab. it seemed like she was potentially joining Bobby Lashley in the Street Profits, and nothing went there. And Bobby Lashley and Street Profits still don't have a name, even though potentially there's a rumor they're gonna have a name. But at the moment, they still don't have a name. We'll we'll get to it. Yes. So that's one backstage segment. Then we have another backstage segment where Heyman is trying to recruit Carlito and he shows up and the the LWO is walking around and 
Carlito is leading the pack and he's angry and he wants to fight Santos Escobar and Paul Heyman goes, Carlito! He's got an apple and he's just like, oh, I don't want this to seem like, you know, Adam tempting Eve with an apple or anything, haha, but oh, how about you join the, the bloodline? You look like you're ready for a fight and he just says, I am ready for a fight, but I only want to fight Santos. And he walks off and he comes back and he takes the apple and says, thank you, and walks away and Paul says, the apple and the yes were a package deal. <laughs> I thought this was a funny, cute little comedy segment. Yeah, and it's good to see um, Carlito using segments because one of one of his strong suits was his character work, yeah. which I feel like we haven't seen enough of. One of the better comedic guys. Yes, he's got a, he's got a very aloof attitude about him, mm -hmm. and that's different from a lot of people. So you can you know he he's different when you write for him because he's cool. He's cool. Then backstage, we had Logan Paul. And Logan Paul was talking to the camera about what happened last week. He gets punched in the face by Kevin Owens, who's wearing a cast, and he's upset about it. He's like, oh, you can't do that. You cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. <laughs> That's what, what he called him. And he said there's going to be lawyers. There's going to be this and that and blah, blah, blah. They're going to come face to face. We'll get to it. It's not that important. Then backstage, and this is where I was like, what in God's name's going on? Did we not fix this? And I know that some people perhaps did not enjoy as much when uh, back in the good old days of Pete and I losing our minds during the pandemic at the poor pacing of SmackDown, where, you know, they, they'd, uh, they'd show someone walking, getting ready for the ring before the SmackDown, before the, the commercial. Then they'd come back from a commercial with like a, a recap of something that happened last week that's unrelated to that. Mm -hmm. Then they'd do the entrance. Mm -hmm. Then they'd cut to a promo backstage mm -hmm. that's also unrelated. Mm -hmm. Then they'd do a video package for the deal. Then they'd do another commercial. Then, mm -hmm. the, com then the other entrant would come out and it'd be like, Sorted out. I could have my my lunch doing yeah. the spaces. That like everybody knows what we're talking about. Like that would happen every single week forever. And it was all the minus ones that we would talk about, all the little dings that would make SmackDown a horrible show. And for the most part, I have felt like those have been cleaned up. Yeah. Which is what I said when Triple H took over originally. I was just like, all the minus ones, those little terrible pacing issues or whatever, I assume those are going to be fixed. Mm. Those are the sort of things that are just simple. You just fix the order of things on your friggin' run sheet and all of a sudden you're good. This week they threw that out the window. I don't know. I don't know why. And it wasn't necessarily so much like the pacing of it, although there were still like Bianca makes her entrance for the next match and then we get this promo and I was like just other order, please. But four backstage segments in a row is ridiculous. This one, however, was the one that made me smile the most, so I will forgive. Because Butch and Tyler Bate are shown somewhere. I don't know. They're like in a coffee shop with a spotlight on them. Yeah. Or backstage and catering, conveniently spotlighted. I don't know where they were, but they were having a little coffee. A little tiny coffee was like that big. And for all you audio listeners out there, that big. And... They just go back and forth about beating Pretty Deadly, and they're like, oh, it was good to see you, man, you know, friends for so long, and whatever. But Butch says, we got to do our own things. You know, you, me, that, that, was, that was in the past. And the Brawling Brutes, that was in the past. Uh, forge my own way, whatever. And Bait just says, mate, you're lost. You need to remember what was said to you in Blackpool. You need to know what your name is. And you just get a long shot of Butch 
as he kind of slowly more and more develops this snarl as the teeth start to show right as they cut to black. God damn it. He's going to come out in the Royal Rumble as Pete Dunne, and I'm going to nut. <laughs> I would only nut if it has his CFO's theme, because that theme is a banger. It's a good theme. Uh, the, the, the Death Rebel, listen, I'm, I'm a Death Rebel apologist. but I, I know. I, I had to sit here. I'll let you go. I'm not going to let you be a Death Rebel apologist sat next to me next time. No, 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 no. Listen. I have ears. I, listen, when they have crap songs, I admit it. I'm not I, the, the thing about me. When I'm a fan of someone, I also tell you. I also say when, it, when it's crap. That's a good thing about being a fan. Is when you see something you like, you like. If you don't like, you're like, oh, it wasn't as good as the other one, or you can do better. Their Pete Dunne theme was so terrible. I, like they Shane the Baszler theme is so confused. Mm-hmm. It starts off one way and it doesn't know where to go. And it, yeah, I can listen. I know they, they they're not perfect, but I just didn't like CFOs having ringtone themes, that like thirty second themes, and they remix it. But the Pete Dunne theme was one of the rare themes that actually had a, a beginning, a middle, a hook, a guitar part, and it went back, yeah, it went back into a loop, but it worked for, for what it was. That song used to give me chills, especially when you used to get the fist down to the cheeks. And when that song would hit, and oh my gosh, I want the original. If KO can keep his theme, if Sami Zayn can get his theme back, you better give the Bruiserweight his classic NXT theme. I don't know if it's gonna happen. It's weird. They they pick and choose who they give who they give uh, songs to. Shelton Benjamin suffered at the hands of it. Your two <laughs> nondescript theme songs where it ain't no stopping me is right there for him. So Pete Dunne needs his original theme so I can see him do this. Hands up to the cheeks and snow. Yeah, it's it's coming back, baby. Oh, dun dun dun, man. That's a Death Rebel version. No, not dun doing dun that. dun, man. No, we're not doing that. <laughs> we're not doing that. No, my, uh, see, I am making a decision. Yes, you Personally, are. right yes. here. To revert back to where I was a year and a half ago or so. And that being that I have an agenda to push. What is an agenda? The agenda is, has been, and once again will be, WrestleMania, Gunther loses the Intercontinental title to Pete Dunne. The thing is, yeah, not to be a Debbie Downer. This is my agenda because I have given up on Sheamus being healthy and coming back. What? He's coming back at the Rumble, no? I don't know. I assume if he he does, great. Then that'll happen. But I'm operating under the assumption that he's not there and isn't. He is the whole point. Listen, I assume he's coming back. He's going to Raw. All all of this, think about it. If Sheamus was coming back, he's he's like coming home. Where's all my mates gone? What do you mean? NXT, what, you know what I'm saying? Like, I assume he's going to Raw. He's going to come back at the, uh, at the Rumble. If, if if he, I don't like saying the name. It's not called Lobster Head, but people may want Lobster Head. Imagine the no. pop. <laughs> I am not that guy. Yeah. I hate that song. You don't like that song? It doesn't have a drop. They jump you in right to the middle of the song. Wait, but then you, I guess you, have you heard the original version? Have you heard the whole version of the song? It takes a long time to get to the drop. That's why they just go straight to the drop. It goes, it goes to... Then it's a bad song. Then it's a song you shouldn't use for a wrestling theme. Seamus lost your hair and careless man to go wind up dead. Too many lies, too many lies. Oh, these all... No? Hate it. The song is great. Hate it. It made me feel Irish for a bit. My partner's half Irish, so that helps. 
hate it. The song is great. And the guy sings his heart. I, mean, I think his name is Sean Jancy or something like that. He sings his bloody heart out with that song. And he goes, oh, these words of June and I'll make you believe. And, and the guitar and the swell, and Jim Johnson's guitar solo, it just smacks, it hits, that song hits hard. I like, I like, listen, I like the song that he has now too, because it makes me want to kick people in the face. That's, that's what I like about the song. It makes me want to go, fella, spotlight on my chest, 10 beats of the Baron and bro kick. I like that song. But listen, it's an OG song. Lovely, lovely oh. vocal. So beautiful. Oh my days. What's happened to your musical taste? Ah! Don't like lobster head. What can I it's say? It's not called lobster head. You guys are killing me with well, that Well, listen, song. Yeah. if Seamus comes back, yes, I'll revert back once again. Seamus... Should win the Intercontinental Championship at WrestleMania, but if he's not going to, I need it to be Pete Dunne. I am a triple threat pervert, so put in uh, Chad Gable in there and let's do another triple threat match where, you know, sure. Sheamus can win by pinning Gable, so that way Gunter can say, you're not beat me. I'm yeah. the greatest champion of all time. Listen, whoever is taking the title off of Gunther has to pin him. It's true. Then after, because the only way Sheamus can retire is by witness. It's almost like he can't retire until he gets the internal title. So that's why I said uh, Gable's got great stories. A shame that they they showed his daughter who looked like uh, Gable circa NXT with a headband, which I thought was yeah. cute. You can't show a girl crying as a father. You can't show his daughter crying and for him to have retribution. What kind of sick perverts are you guys? Sickos. Sick. Oh, sad. I'll show you beyond the mats. <laughs> Those oh, crying, crap. crying kids don't get those. They, they don't. They don't get the happy ending half the time. Anyway, we'll move on swiftly because there are a few more matches to talk about here on this show. Because the next match was Bianca Belair versus Bailey. Now, this is a match we have seen a number of times in the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. This is kind of the recurring feud for Bianca Belair and her title reigns. So, this match again, had positives and negatives. The negatives being the crowd didn't seem to care very much. And I think it it didn't affect, how do I say this? The first match, mm-hmm. they didn't like take time out of their match to try and get the crowd. They just didn't have the crowd. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Whereas this match, they took time a few times to kind of stop and go, come on guys. Something like that, which again, I don't blame them for. Get into the match crowd. Why did you pay to be there? But it was more noticeable in this match because you were able to see it, sort of. You know what I mean? Yeah. That being said, I did think they had the crowd a lot better than the opener. By the end, it just took a while to get there. So there were some fun spots in this match. We'll get to the positives of it because I did enjoy this match. I thought they worked well together. They did some fun stuff. And then they did some creative spots, which sometimes I've found when I'm watching like some of Bailey's matches, they're creative, but it's like the sticks in the cell match where it's like it sort of worked, but it was like kind of contrived. So I'm always a little bit weary about some of the spots. Are they too creative for their own good? Mm. This time, (laughs) here's just a creative fun spot where she tied Bianca Belair's braid to the bottom rope, which we've seen happen a million times. But this time, Bianca went and then laid out, stretched back, and used her own braid as like a tripwire to trip Bailey into the bottom turnbuckle. I thought that was smart. smart. Yeah. Cool little spot. I've seen Bianca's braid used a bunch of different ways. I've not seen that before. Mm-hmm. That was cool. So that was good. And then I really liked the finish as well. Because the finish is one that we have seen 
time and time again with a twist because this seemed like every other heel faction finish like we've seen a million times. Bianca gets sent out to the outside and Bailey then grabs the ref and he's like, oh, my eye or something. And there are four members of Damage Control on the outside and none of them do anything. They just stare at Bianca and Bianca kind of stares at them. They all stare at the ref. Bianca gets back up, gets in the ring, and soon after hits the KOD on Bailey and gets the win. And she gets the thing. She's like, yeah. And she goes to the back. And then next, after the commercial, we have Bailey going to Dakota and being like, what was that? Why didn't you guys help? And he's like, hey, man, the referee was looking right at us. You don't want to get DQ'd, do you? No. And it's like, okay, but like, you know, help. <laughs> and they're just like, we just thought that you could beat Bianca on your own. You know, you're, you're going to win the Royal Rumble on your own. Yeah, yeah. And then they all kind of like walk away and Bailey looks sad. And I really liked this finish. I thought it was really neat. Just because, again, we've seen like, hey, they get thrown, they get roughed up, thrown back inside, bend, mm -hmm. whatever. It's a cliche. Mm -hmm. And so when you invert the cliche, it's then new again. Good stuff. They go to this finish and now, oh, it's so much more interesting another week in to Bianca and Bailey and this whole damage control thing. And we don't know exactly when the split's going to be. And it's maybe not as intriguing as like, you know, Sami Zayn in the bloodline, which is a very high bar, which I don't feel the need to compare it to. But in terms of like, there's someone who is loved by the audience in a heel faction that's going to get got at some point, And we're waiting to see when it's going to happen. They're kind of similar in that respect. We're still waiting to see when Bailey's going to get that happen to her. This is another very interesting thing that tides us over to make us think maybe it's going to happen on the next show or the show after that. Do you think Bailey's going to win the Royal Rumble? I have a prediction. Someone named someone with the name B is going to win the Royal Rumble. So it's up to you to decide. Is it Becky? Is it Bailey? Or the offshore could be Bianca, but I don't think it'll be Bianca. Or Banks. I don't think that. I like. I like. You have to add. You know, it was a, some of a B in their first name. Mm -hmm. Her first name's gonna win. I am of two minds about who's gonna win. I, in the beginning, thought that the whole point of this storyline was gonna lead to Bailey winning the Rumble and facing Io Sky for the title at WrestleMania. I still think it's gonna be Bailey and Io Sky at WrestleMania, but don't forget that the Elimination Chamber is also an option. Mm -hmm. I think, in terms of accolades, Bianca's, um, Becky's won before. Yes. She doesn't need to do it twice. They, they could, you know, I'm, I don't know if she's the first. As a female She would be the first two-time female winner. Fact checker! Anyway, yes. Uh, that would be an accolade in itself, but a great accolade for for Becky would be to win an Elimination Chamber because she hasn't done that yet. So it would be another thing to add in, like, Oscars. Oscars, like, won every single um match that is to do with number one contendership uh, for, for titles. So it would be great for her to do that. I want it to be Bailey because I feel like since Bailey's been back from her knee injury, she hasn't been Bailey of old. It, it tends to happen to a lot of wrestlers where when you come back from like near career-threatening injury, you either regress or change how you wrestle in the ring. Since her great matches from when she came back with, Bian with Bianca, she hasn't really been wrestling at like the main event level. Mm -hmm. She's been wrestling at TV match levels, if that makes sense. She doesn't get to the second or third gear, which she does have. Because it's been a while, it's easy to condition yourself that Bailey's not 
that person anymore because mm-hmm. she just wrestled TV star matches, which is a few minutes. And outside of doing the roast plant and certain moves, you can barely say her movesets anymore because she doesn't really... The elbow drop was great because it's mm-hmm. been a while since she's done that. What I'm trying to say is I hope that her winning the Royal Rumble is the beginning of her being the Bailey that we know. She's a great worker, but I feel like the heel character started to diminish what she's good for in the ring. Because when you're, when you're a heel, you kind of play to the hillside and not show all your flashy moves or you don't wrestle to get cheered, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it's been a while. I hope she can get back to that level. Her and EO Sky on paper could be great, but we'd, it's, been a, it's been a while. I feel like it's nearly been to like nearly two years since we've seen like a, ba- a great Bailey match, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people, there's allegations, not by me, allegations that she's kind of washed. Mm-hmm. By now, and I know she's not. It's just like she just wrestles wherever, you know. She's been losing a lot as well. So it's like she's become the E of pins of that group. So to answer your long-winded, you asked me a question, I like went long-winded with it. I... Someone said it, it would be ha 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 if Dakota is in a match and she eliminates Bailey. That could be the sure. option. But I hope Bailey wins because that will take the story on the next level of who she's going to pick. We assume it's going to be real, but we know in her heart she's going to go with EO because she knows there's a pit in her stomach that something's not right with damage control and she doesn't have control of the group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, I do think it comes down to that. If I had to pick right now, I think Bailey wins the Royal Rumble. I think it makes a lot of sense storyline-wise with how they're kind of laying everything out. You can kind of do what people wanted them to do with Sami Zayn winning the Royal Rumble last year that they just were never going to do. And it is another, like, it's another horsewoman that you can put on the list of former Royal Rumble winners. Bingo. And granted, like, we're we're a number of years into doing women's Rumbles now, Mm -hmm. but we are still only, like, six or seven years in. Mm -hmm. And you can only benefit from making that list of winners even better with a long list of of of, of great wrestlers who are varied and all have wonderful accomplishments and such and bailey is somebody that i think should be on that list and isn't yet she's been selfless with how much she's been giving as well other talents i feel like it's time for her to be a bit greedy Mm -hmm. you know she needs to stake her claim as one of the best in a group because i feel like it's been a while to the point where there's again it's kind of like recency bias. People would just go off what have you done for me lately, not forgetting her body catalog of, of great wrestling, how her match with Sasha Banks in, in NXT changed the game in North America and, and everywhere. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah. Give Bailey her flowers. Not that anybody isn't, but do it anyway. And Bailey's hot. All hashtag, right. Hashtag Bailey's hot, if you remember that hashtag. <laughs> so, back in the ring now, we have Bobby Lashley and the Street Profits, still currently unnamed. And they're very angry about getting jumped by Karrion Cross in the Office of Pain. Bobby cuts what I did not think was a particularly good promo. It was like the words were fine, but he he's a dry promo. What if, what do you want me to say? He, he's, like, he, he is very clunky as a promo. That's the best way to describe it. He can be very clunky. I like Bobby Lashley. I am forgiving of his faults, but like I'm a reviewer on a wrestling show and he did a wrestling promo and it was dry i will leave it at that but he said like aop get your asses out here right now let's fight we're not the kind of guys that are gonna you know attack you from behind if we've got a problem we'll walk right to the ring and fight and then instead of having a fight they are shown a video package from carrying cross and he's talking with scarlet and he's talking about how he's got two of the most devastating men that have ever walked the earth in the office of pain uh, he used. I always thought their names were Akam and Razar. Yeah, he said both of those names like weird. Akam and 
Wait, was it bizarre? Yeah, it was bizarre. It, he he called them like Occam. Obviously, he's phonetically. I get it, <laughs> and, and also, I forget what the other one was. It doesn't matter. This is this, he, he, he said the name's weird. This is Kurt Angle saying Azuka. Yeah, <laughs> you manga. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, so that's basically it. They leave it at that. He says that Paul Ellering is one of the most sadistic men that has ever walked the earth as well, and together they are going to be known as the Final Testament. That's the end. Uh, that's the end of that. And yeah, all right. Listen, Paul Ellering. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Have you not seen that? He's just had that one facial expression. He's been back. That's just me. I live for it. He almost yeah. looks like the Uncle Salamanca guy from uh, Breaking Bad. <laughs> <laughs> That's rude. Ding, 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 ding. Ring that bell, baby. <laughs> anyway, Jesus Christ. Hector Salamanca. Yeah. Um, yeah, so we've talked about this and we've gone long on a few things already. I don't have a ton to say about Carrying Cross, but I no. will say yeah. it's a new year. It's a new me. It's a new presentation for Carrying Cross. I will give this group a chance. Yeah. This is it. You've got until November, Sat. I do. So me and Tempest made a deal back in November because I've been a Carrying Cross apologist. I'm an apologist for a lot of people. It's, it's almost become like my job. It's my go-to thing. Apologize for people that, you know, doesn't have a lot of love from the fan base. Uh, yes, I said if Carrying Cross does not get over with the fans, that he does not become an integral part. Because the thing about Karen Cross at the moment is you can take him off TV and you wouldn't really miss him because they haven't really, he hasn't been a consistent presence on TV. So if Karen Cross becomes a consistent presence on TV, adds something of value to TV and gets over with his, with his group, I finally win as, as in all the years of defending Karen Cross has paid off. If Karen Cross flops again this year, the year of 2024, November 2024, if Karen Cross is not doing anything meaningful, if he's, if he's still in the same spot he was last year, I said to Tempest, I'll come up here in front of everyone who watch the SmackDown review show, in front of this lovely man here and say, Karen Cross is a dud, write him off. I'll say it then. But until then, I've got to the November, and guess what? The group has their name before Lashley and Profits. The That's final crazy. testament. The final testament. And I like it because yeah. authors of pain. They're authors. They write books. It's a testament. Because Karen Cross likes spooky, esoteric things. So the name goes. It's much better than the final prayer, which Pete thought that potentially was the name. I was like, no, final prayer does not work as a name. It works as a finisher. Because I think that's what his new finisher is called, the convoluted move. I think it's called final prayer. But they're called final testament. And I love it. And yeah, I like it. Uh, oh yeah, I like it. So it's between the Final Testament and uh, Undisputed Kingdom over in AEW. Which one of them is going to make the most impact? Two new groups. Well, they're arriving at the same time. So we will, it, yes. we will see. And backstage after this, we had Bobby Lashley uh, still... Oh, hang on. Hang on a moment. No, that's right. Because <clears throat> backstage... Paul Heyman is still trying his best. And he didn't get any luck with Carlito. So first he tries his hand with Pretty Deadly. Or more, more they accurately, they, they tried, tried their hand with him. They come up to, to him and, he's, and they're like, Lord Heyman, Lord Heyman, my lord, wise man, how do you do? We are the best tag team on SmackDown. We will help you. And he's like, all right. You know, only one of y'all can fill the spot, right? And they're like, Oh, actually, oh, I forgot I had that thing tonight. Oh, dreadful. If only this would come up sooner and they walk off. And Paul Heyman's like, okay. Uh, and also there's a mention of who were in the matches. I think where it is they have a codependency. Mm. So like, I can't do this match without you. I think if they're both in a match, they'll be like, yeah, sh 
four. Mm. It's just like one of us without the other. Yeah. Against whom I've got a hair appointment or something, <laughs> you know, just to clean my teeth. So we went from that straight into Bobby Lashley mm. walking around backstage with the rest of the Street Profits. And Paul Heyman approaches him and says, Bobby, we've been friends for a long, long time. OVW connection and all that. He knows his stuff. I was going to say that. Master Blaster Lashley. Master Blaster. <laughs> and he's like, listen, you got to let off some steam. I can't believe what's happened to you with AOP and Karrion Cross. It's just awful. Why don't you let off some of that steam in the main event? You can come wrestling beat up. Randy Orton, AJ Styles in LA. Now you beat them up, we will all good. As a show of good faith, uh, years of friendship. And he says, yeah, Paul, I have known you a long time. The only time I want to be in the ring with the bloodline is when I'm standing across from Roman Reigns. And he walks off. And we're, I swear to God, if this reign lasts long enough to get that match, I will quit my job. I would like to see it, but like I would have liked to have seen it. It's too late now. Mm. End of the reign. Anyway, mm. what have been a perfect like payback match, fast lane match? Why doesn't Roman work on uh, pay per view? I don't know. There's no god there. Uh, Ashley Simpson can't rap. <laughs> I demand justice. <laughs> Ashley Simpson can't rap. Anywho, that was random. But I love it. I live for it. I'm a random guy, so yeah. Carmelo Hayes versus Austin Theory is next, and this is a. Uh, a trickier one to talk about because mm. it's hard to review this match under the scope of just a normal wrestling match and such because we had injury trouble here, which is very unfortunate because I was very ready, ready and excited to come on this podcast and be like, Carmelo Hayes, and I still will and everything. It just doesn't feel like the week, you know, because they have the match. Yeah. And I think they're doing a really good little job here. Carmelo Hayes is getting a better reaction than most things have gotten on the show to this point, which is... Maybe a little surprising to me, given how new he is, but yeah. I also know how good he is, mm -hmm. so I'm not surprised he could garner that reaction, but there's not been the most, you know, show. Not, not been the most give and take of a crowd so far, but he's hitting his moves with precision and quickness. He hit his springboard twisting clothesline, and it was, like, sharp, and he followed that up right into a La Mystica, which Corey Graves just called a face buster because he's dumb, and... Then, unfortunately, the match had to end because Cameron Grimes, not Cameron Grimes, Carmelo Hayes, too many C names, he ends up sat on the top turnbuckle. And Austin Theory goes for his, like, leaping sit-out. Sit yeah. It's so many words. Leaping, top rope, sit-out, Spanish fly. Oh, avalanche. Spanish fly. Springboard Spanish fly. And... They, they like bounce once and they kind of just jumble and then they fall and they land. And Austin Theory lands on his head and it's ugly and it's gruesome and I hope he's all right. And the referee just goes over and he gives up the X and they wave the match off. And it's a damn shame because this was gearing up to be by far the best match on the show, I mm. thought. Mm -hmm. And then it just ended. You hate to see anything like that happen in general, but... Much less when, like, Carmelo Hayes is looking to get something new going. That's pretty exciting. And, you know, you lose that kind of spark of momentum. When people think about this match, they'll think about this as opposed yeah. to the good things and all that sort. So it's really disappointing. It's a shame. 
Shout out to the ref, though. It's yeah. just been two weeks in a row where the referee has stopped the match when they've seen uh, clearly that wrestlers are knocked out. So shout out to WWE on their training protocols with referees. Yeah. So that's really all there is to it. I don't know if you have any other thoughts about the match itself. Like, I'm really excited to see Carmelo Hayes. Him being on SmackDown makes up for, like, a lot. He, what Carmelo Hayes has, has done in his two showing is what we assumed uh, Cameron Grimes would do. Remember? Like, sure. Because it comes to a point where people forget how good Cameron Grimes is. You know, like another wrestler who's able to have that style of match. Because, yeah, again, yeah. when Dragon Lee's back, you know what I'm saying? The, the, the mid-card scene on SmackDown could low-key be incredible mm -hmm. with the amount of great young wrestlers coming up from NXT. Austin Fury is allowed to wrestle like Austin Fury. And by now, fear that move, if an old person was back in charge, it would be on the band list. So I don't know if the sit-out... Avalanche Spanish fly might get taken off because of that whole situation when their heads collided and they both landed on their necks. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Carmelo Hayes, do you see this as a soft uh, call up or do you, because you know. Well, we'll see. Mm. You know, it's always the deal where is it, is it, a, it's a soft call up until they just decide to keep them, you know? Well, then that is, that's what I mean. That is a soft call up. It's kind of like we, we, we haven't done the whole veneer and pumps and stuff. Yeah. Just we slowly implemented you in and now, ah, because Dragon Lee was kind of, I don't know, Dragon Lee did get a vignette. I don't, and then Kamala did get a vignette. But it's just, it's not like, you know what I'm saying? It's yeah. just like, eh, arrives next week. Yeah. We're not having that. He's had more matches than the guys that did get cast on, on SmackDown and Raw. Yeah. You know, the, what should we call it? Von Wagner and, uh, I've got the other, Jones. Uh, yes, of the world. <laughs> yeah. So we'll see. I hope for a much better showing uh, all around, much better circumstances on next week's show. But Carmelo Hayes, uh, push that guy to the moon. I've been saying that. that that's that's a world as champion. A, as a baby face or as a heel? Either way. Like, do whatever you got to do first. I don't care. This guy's good enough to do both and make them both work. Sign off his heel because we know what that's where the storyline with Trick Williams was going. He, he yes. did attack him. Let, let's, yes. just, let's establish that. Turn him back heel because that's how it got him over in the first place. People love the heel. Let, let, me, let him earn his stripes. That's that's what LA Knight wanted. That's why he didn't want to turn baby face. Like, let's see what I can do first before you cheer for me. Don't cheer for me prematurely. Mm -hmm. Yes. I hope we see him. Yeah. I agree. And then... We had one last backstage bloodline segment where Jimmy's not too happy because Jimmy's like, all right, wise man, who you got? And Paul Heyman's like, you know, no one is worthy of teaming with the bloodline. You two are going to go out there, Jimmy and Solo, and you're going to, you're going to beat them. Ah. And, you know, he's like, I'm not worried. Solo says, I'm not worried. Jimmy goes, I, well, I'm not worried either then. Uh -huh. Let's go get it. They go. <coughs> oh, my God. They go get him. They got me. No yeet. No yeet. Whatever that means. And Is yeet in chucking? It's like you yeeted him across the room. No? Yeah. Yeah. No yeet is no chucking. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what the youth are saying these days. Yeet. Yeet. Ski. This bitch empty. Yeet. yeet. <laughs> Ski, Look, yeet. I, I was around for Vine. Um, anyway, anyway, this led to the main event. Because our main event was indeed all of Roman's challengers against the two members of the bloodline, Jimmy Uso and Solo Sokoa. But in the middle of the first entrance, Randy Orton gets taken out. Oh, and maybe no. this is just like, I don't know. I don't know if there's anything more to it than that. It just keeps Randy Orton's bump card low, I suppose. Ooh. You know, I don't think that's like a decision for him. You're suspicious. 
No. Not really. I think this is just how they do because it does make more sense to then do that as heels because like if they work this as a handicap match then the psychology's off mm. and the babyface team has the advantage mm. and you don't want to do that. That's no. bad. So, yeah, you have him take you know, have them take out Randy Orton. Yes. Of the the three choices, he's the best choice because you've got LA Knight and AJ Styles to have beef within the match and cause dissension. So at least logically, it also makes sense. Mm. That is the guy that you would take out if it had to be one of the three, because the other two will take each other out. And then it's a fair fight, quote unquote, fair fight. Look at that. He sort of, he sort of in the mathematics of the match. Go you. Like if yeah. it's Paul Heyman's idea, congratulations, Paul. You, you came up with a good game plan. Yeah, it was a good game plan. If they mark this out, dangerous alliance style outside the war games thing with the whiteboard or whatever, it would have worked. The only problem is, it didn't work because Randy Orton, you didn't kill him. You didn't cut the head off of the snake. Ooh. It nearly worked because this match went back and forth. It was your main event match. They, they shine your heat, etc. But the turning point of the match, the real crux here was LA Knight and AJ Styles not being on the same page. And then finally, when AJ Styles desperately needed to make a tag, very interestingly, and this was a little, little nugget of this match that I did enjoy, LA Knight does not get pulled off the apron by Solo Sokoa. He jumps off the apron to deal with Solo Sokoa. And granted, I think that's like that, that that's a very logical thing to do because if you don't, you're just going to be attacked mm -hmm. one second later. Mm -hmm. But just the thing that his decision was to jump off, I like that. I like somehow that makes AJ Styles just that much more sympathetic. And it might not mean anything to anyone, but it means this match was like 1% better to me. And you know what? I'll take it. You need every little bit. Every little bit counts. So this causes more dissension between AJ Styles and LA Knight because sure enough, LA Knight's not on the apron and AJ Styles goes for the tag. And he's like, ah! Yeah. So he then goes back and he starts fighting Jimmy a little bit more. And LA Knight takes out Solo. And he's like, all right, give me the tag. He's like, ah, where were you? He's like, I was fighting him. He was going to attack me. He's like, oh, I don't care. Well, give me the tag. No. And this looks like it's going to lead to their loss. But unfortunately for the bloodline, Randy Orton came back out, hit an RKO and got the win. Easy peasy. Lemon squeezy. You know, it was, it was again, a competently booked, but fairly simple main event, you know, and after the match, they just beat down the bloodline real bad, and everybody hit a, hit a finisher on the bloodline, and then they put Solo Sikosa through the announce table. With a shield bomb. Yeah. So that was SmackDown. Mm -hmm. And I'll get your thoughts uh, from the main event uh, in just a moment no problem. as well. Uh, but this was a really interesting thing because I didn't notice it almost until like afterwards because... I don't know, my brain is still a little fuzzy from the last month. And I have to remind myself that the next pay-per-view is the Royal Rumble. Yep. And this was not a show that felt like it was building for the Royal Rumble. Not besides that the Bailey chat about it. No. That was about it. Mm. But even still, that was like a throwaway line backstage. Mm -hmm. You know? This felt like a, you know, middle of the month. Kind of filler episode building to a B pay-per-view, like a fast lane or a payback or something like that. Yes, sir. And it was fine, 
it's unfortunate that I think the best match on the show had its finish ruined by an injury, mm. but there just wasn't a lot else on this show. No. Like, this was just a very by-the-numbers episode of SmackDown. You'll get your matches. Some of them were fine. That's about it. It's just like the bloodline needs to find a partner. They couldn't find a partner. They lost. It almost felt like a house show in that sense. You know, felt that that's the sort of thing that would happen on a house show. Like, ah, happy ending, babyface win, send the crowd home happy. Which I'm not opposed to in general. Yeah. But when it when it's Royal Rumble season, I don't know. I expect somebody in some match to, like, throw someone over the top rope or Do point you? at a sign or, you know, declare for a match or something like that. Doing the history of Royal Rumbles, as you're an historian, you know this is. Well, this podcast is only gone for an hour and five. Go on, give yes. me a whole history. I'm not gonna do a history. No, no, no. I'm just asking. Would you have preferred if they did Rumble qualifying matches like they used to do? Sometimes? I always will be in preference of qualifying matches. Really, one hundred percent. Make something need to be qualified for. It means more. Because I remember there was a pushback on the fact that you had some wrestlers saying, I declare I'm in the Rumble. And others, you can't declare to be in the Rumble. You have to win. You know, there used to be that whole thing where, like, why can he declare and the others can't? You know what I'm saying? So I feel mm -hmm. like probably that's why they dropped it. I don't know. But, yeah, I think. No, I think it was just because their roster got thin. They fired half of them in 2008. Yeah. You know, like mm -hmm. all the guys, like the Highlanders and. All those guys that were losing the qualifying matches, all of a sudden, no one had, no, you didn't have wrestlers to lose qualifying matches. True. And then when you did, you made the Rumble have 40 people in it. Ah, uh, 40 men. Qualifying right. matches, I'm telling you. But so go you, on. Yeah, yeah. You're saying that if they had qualifying matches, it would have felt like Rumble season. That's yeah. You're missing, right? You're missing Absolutely. The, the banner. Like, it's Rumble season, Rumble qualifying matches, the Battle Royal, who gets us to this spot, or last chance Battle Royal, Tozawa wins, he's in the Rumble. Yeah. You're, missing, you're missing that kind of atmosphere, right? Just anything anything to make me it's royal rumble season i want to be the most excited i'm going to be about wrestling all year and i will be granted it's still a couple weeks away and i'll get there but like we're two weeks away from the royal rumble i want to be losing my mind over like oh my god you see the show built to the rumble i'm so excited and i just didn't get that on this show now i'm with you and to go off the uh, the main event, I do like it, it was a payoff. And like you said, in terms of wrestling psychology, it makes sense to even the playing field and have the heels to have some sort of advantage. And then when Randy Orton came back halfway through to win the match, I like the fact that you still had LA Knight and AJ Styles trying to one-up each other and they each did a finisher on Solo Sokoa. And then Randy Orton was like, okay, I'll join in the fun, RKO. And then when they took him outside of the shield bomb, I'm like, I wonder if they're sending... Uh, they're subconsciously sending a message to Roman Reigns. And of course, uh, Paul ends the show with, oh, Roman Reigns. It's like, what? You're going to give him the bad news? You know what's going to happen. You're going to get browbeaten and you're going to, you know, cower down as per usual. Mm -hmm. But the interesting thing is, they, in their mind, that was a hook. What's going to happen next week? I see Paul Heyman say, call Roman Reigns on every show. It very rarely has the consequences that I want it to. Mm. And it's not a good enough hook for Royal Rumble season, in my opinion. So in my edited review, I gave this show like a two out of five. I think that's probably still right. There were a lot of like little things that I really enjoyed on this show. Mm. More just little character moments, but like I'm not going to give this show a higher rating because Pete Dunne might be being Pete Dunne again. Is, would you say that uh, the segments is what carried the show besides the one or two matches you did enjoy? I don't even know because there were so many backstage segments and I was getting frustrated at a point with wow. like four of them in a row mm. where I was like, God damn, okay, 
give me a space them out a little bit. But yeah, I just think it was kind of a show with just not a lot going on. And I think that's just, again, what happens when your U.S. champion's not on the show and your world champion's not on the show and you don't have tag champions to be on the show either and the women's tag champions are also not on the show! You know, there's just like, there's a lot of problems with SmackDown in that regard. And I don't think it leaves it looking in a good light when you're a couple weeks out from a pay-per-view and you want to build, but the bodies are missing, like the main important ones that people are kind of focused on. But what, hey? In the meantime, before we go, we have some very special shout outs to give as well, because these are our $25 and above pledge hammers over on Patreon. That is patreon.com forward slash wrestle talk, where you can get your own custom wrestling nickname read out on a show just like this. So a big thank you to Peter Fiber Brantuas. Yeah. Probably better than Kyle Philip O'Reilly. Yeah. The man who wears the gold, the man recognized by SWAF Nation International as the 24-7 champion, our legend. Yeah. Raw brand ambassador, Redman2490. Yeah. Reese Cook, what the rock is smelling. Yeah. <laughs> Mr. Money, Bags Rich Holt. Yeah. Burley, Rob Burwell. Yeah. Can you do this one? I want to do the next one. Daylight Robbery, Rob James. Yeah. I screwed myself over. I was right. Okay, can I do the next two? Yo, Adrian. Rocky. Rocky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> let, me, let me do this. Mm. The Farm General. Roman Dietrich. Very good. I believe it's Dietrich, if I'm not mistaken. Like, like um, the, the, silent, the, the movie actress, uh, Marlena Dietrich. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Let oh, us know, you know Roman. What? Yeah, let us know because we're fighting over this death arm general. Come on. Yeah. Ross, pooper, scooper, cooper. Yeah. <laughs> the man with his scoops. Sean. Yeah. Thank you very much to all of our pledge hammers, but especially to our $25 and above pledge hammers over at patreon.com forward slash Russell Talk. If you want to get your own custom wrestling nickname read right out on a show just like this, make sure you subscribe at the $25 and above tier, where you will also find a new exclusive edition of Survival Series exclusive to Patreon, that being trying to name every single Royal Rumble winner in reverse chronological order. Huh? Again. Is the, is the Thunderdome edition. I am not going to take responsibility for any rules, decisions. I learned my lesson last year. You saw how how angry all of them got. We'll see if they get angry as well. Thank you very much, Sat. I'm glad to be back. Guys, House of the Black Mask. House of the Black Mask. House of the Checkered Shirts. It's been incredible. Please join us again next Sat E Day for the SmackDown Review Podcast. He's been Tempest. I've been Sat E. The house always wins. It does. Jonah Jam. You were doing so well with that side off and you kept going. Thank you. We'll see you next week.
Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.